fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And stress is an inevitable factor in your life and in the lives of the people in your organization. A fit, healthy team is an energized, effective team, but it is not enough to just tell your people what to do, you need to show them. If you want your people to have a better quality of life and a more rewarding career, then it is vital that you lead from the front. Your choices, your behaviors are in the spotlight. My name's Jay Unwin, it's time to get fit to lead. Welcome back to Fit to Lead with me, Jay Unwin. Today, my guest is marketing coach, business mentor, former England athlete and host of the Healthy Business Podcast, Sarah Cook. And we chat about work-life balance, well-being for business success, and why human resources is not my favourite term. Don't forget that on the first Wednesday of every month at 11am UK time, I run a free webinar called Level Up Your People. If you're interested in coming along, then you can head to fitbodyfitmind.online forward slash level up and get yourself registered. Hey Sarah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm excited to be here chatting to you today. I am very excited as well because given that our last chat um, that we had right, last week or the week before when we first kind of touched base, um, we had a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. And so hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to uh, cover some similar stuff and some extra stuff and all kinds of interesting things for people to listen to. Definitely. No, I was excited to be able to put this in um, quite quickly after our original chat, I think. And uh, yeah, there's a lots of lots of crossovers and similarities, I think, between our stories and uh, where we've kind of come from. So hopefully the listeners will get something from this. Absolutely. So uh, the first question, as I start with uh, with anyone that I have on, is is I'd, I'd love to know what your idea of fitness is. What does fitness mean to you? Oh, fitness takes on a different different things for me in different ways. Um, my background is in kind of sport and fitness, playing at a really high level. Um, and so that was always about the kind of physical fitness. But what I really learned was that to play at a high level, you kind of have to have the, the mental fitness as well. So for me... Um, fitness is all about performing at an optimal level, whatever that's, whatever you're doing, not just from a sporting perspective, when it's in your life, um, or your lifestyle goals as well. So I think it's, yeah, performing at your, your optimal level is probably, you know, from a kind of high fitness perspective is what I'd be looking for. It's, is that balance between kind of mental health, physical health, spiritual health, however people want to look at it. Yeah, so there's lots of lots of different angles within that in order to perform at your at your best, and I think that's that's something which a lot of people. Um, I, I think more people are considering it now, but I think that a lot of people are still kind of a little bit um, stuck in it, meaning one very specific thing. Uh, and and this is kind of why I try to open it up, open up the kind of the conversation around what it actually is, because for me it is very much about um, all these different angles. It's very um, holistic, uh, despite my kind of cringe at that word just because of you know the kind of certain connotations that it brings up but um the it is it's holistic it looks at the whole picture um i mean you work with you work with business owners right yeah that's right um predominantly female business owners who are looking to grow and scale their businesses um and what i found is that especially women who are juggling lots of different things, it tends to be at the expense of our health at some point, um, or we're prioritizing other people, we're prioritizing our clients, um, prioritizing families. And it's not until there's a tipping point or something serious happens that people then start 
exploring actually they should be looking after their health. So for me, it is about growing and scaling in a way that works for you without the overwhelm, without the burnout. Um, and I've kind of gone on my journey and had those highs and lows, which has enabled me to then spot some signs and help other people spot those signs so that they don't fall down into the trap of working 24 seven for other people, not getting the enjoyment out of life that they want to, which is quite often when people set up their own business because they've left the corporate world because they want to do something that's flexible for them. And then they very quickly find that actually they're working longer, harder, you know, leading to burnout and not having that flexibility or freedom that they really wanted to. What you find often is that if you go out on your own, you are no longer just doing the role that you were doing before, but you're doing all the other stuff that went along with it, which you which you had other departments for in the company that you worked for, right? So, you know, you, you had a marketing department and a sales department and a graphic designer in-house and all of this stuff, um, a finance department, and suddenly you go out on your own and not only are you, um, you know, X job role, you are also the bookkeeper and you're the marketer and you're the salesperson and you are all of these things. Um, and it can be, yeah, it can, I mean, you use the word overwhelm. It can be massively overwhelming. And I think that, you know, if you add, if you add that to all the other stresses in life, these external, um, pressures that we have, like you said, with family and things like that, it just becomes this uh, this merry-go-round, this constant merry-go-round of thing, more stuff that you have to do. And it's very easy to find yourself on a slippery slope before you've even you know noticed that it's that it's happening is that something that is that something that's happened to you i mean you mentioned that you've had highs and lows and stuff yourself is it something that's um that you've got direct experience with with that overwhelm and with that kind of those kind of struggles yeah definitely um i spent sort of 15 years working corporate um both in the uk as well as abroad i spent seven years living in asia um, and I was traveling a lot. I was regional marketing manager. So doing a lot of trainings, a lot of travel. And I suppose from my sporting background, really recognized that actually I wasn't performing at my highest level. I was enjoying the job that I was doing, but actually I felt like I wasn't myself anymore. And that's kind of where that, that sort of recognition of burnout was kind of coming into it. Um, and at the time I found out that I was pregnant as well. And I think it was just that catalyst of, something's got to shift here. I can't keep running on that treadmill, that hamster wheel that a lot of people associate with. Um, and yeah, it was that real realization that actually, if I wanted to live a life in the ways that I wanted to do, if I wanted to be able to, you know, have those financial income monthly, whatever goals it was, if I wanted to be there for my family, I want to be there for my husband, something had to give. And that was, that was my sort of first foray into leaving the corporate world and setting up as an entrepreneur. Um, but I became fully booked within five months of setting up my, um, so I retrained as a holistic health um, and massage therapist and became fully booked within five months. And that was another, what am I doing this for? Like I'm doing, I loved what I was doing, but actually becoming fully booked is something that a lot of people love the idea of. It's something that a lot of people aspire to, but it created a whole different level of problems for me of income ceiling, not being able to have the flexibility, not being able to see the young children, um, not being able to help as many people as I wanted to. Um, and I think, again, I could start, I recognized that I was kind of on this road to burnout again and going, okay, 
all these things that I want to do, all these things that I enjoy doing and, and having about running my own business were actually impacting all of the things that I wanted to achieve because of the way that I'd set up my business model. And all of that was kind of one-to-one. And that's when I really took a step at looking at going, okay, well, I can do things differently. I'm the CEO of my business, CEO of my life. I get to choose how I run things. I'm in a really fortunate position where I get to choose those things. Um, however, I still wanted to have that that regular money coming in as we all do. We've all got bills to pay and all want to do stuff with our lives and living abroad. I would come back to the UK probably a few times a year for six weeks at a time to be able to see family and friends. And enabling me to do all of that stuff meant that I had to have a business that worked for my life rather than my life having to fit around my business. Um, and I think that's a really interesting shift is when you, when you're in the position that you run your own business, you get to choose how you run that. And it, for me, it was about setting up what I call a multi-tiered business. Um, so having different things at different price points that enabled me to help different people at different times, um, but also still have it sustainable. I think what I've found over the last kind of 18 months with COVID and people's businesses clothes have been shut or doors have been shut, um, that they've not been able to run their businesses in the same way. And those that have been proactive, those that have kind of said, okay, I'm going to use this as an opportunity. How can I shift my business model that enables me to not be reliant on something, whether it's wanting to take a holiday from a positive perspective or whether it's a pandemic forcing me to not do certain things within my business. Um, Creating this sort of future-proof business model that has different income streams that enables you to take time out as and when you choose to, or if you have to, for me, that enables you to do the things that you want to. So yeah, it really goes back to that you know, choosing how you want your life to be and then fitting that business to it rather than feeling like you have to go 24-7, work the traditional hours. And when I first moved into the entrepreneurial space, I found it really hard to not be working nine till five because that was my corporate hours. Yeah, But that didn't work for you know, having young children and doing the things I wanted to do. But I felt this massive sense of guilt for not not working during those hours. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's just shifting it, isn't it? Of kind of, you know, really understanding what you want from from life, from your working life as well. Um, and then seeing how that can dovetail into something that works for you on your terms. It's when, when you kind of, when you look at any large business with a, a, a large workforce, which is a kind of area which, I mean, I'm not talking about huge, huge tens of thousands of, of people in, a, in an organization. That's not who I work with. I tend to work with companies of, you know, two to 500 heads, that kind of thing. And those businesses all started out originally with individuals or very small teams, you know, like very, very small teams. It would be one person starting out or it would be, you know, maybe a team of, two or three people who started it out and it grew from there. And of course, as the, as the companies grow, so whether you are in a kind of in a, a, a sole trader role and you're on your own or you're in a small team or a small limited company with a few employees or you're in a bigger company with hundreds of employees, the, the same kind of, um, the same kind of principles ring true. It just the level of, uh, difficulty around changing things is a bit more when there's more people involved. You know, it's harder yeah. to change the direction of a large vehicle than it is a small vehicle. The turning circle of a, uh, you know, an oil tanker is pretty damn big. And so if you're, if you're just starting out, 
in business or you are still a small business, even if you've been in business for a while, now is the time to get those things in place, not just for you, but for the people that you are likely to employ in the future as well. Whether you have this kind of vision of it being um, a team of hundreds or not, it doesn't really matter because if you are if you are putting if you're putting these values in place now, it's going to benefit you as an individual. And if the values of the company are around well-being and things like that, which I believe they should be, because without them, um, the people are going to struggle. And if the people struggle, then the business struggles. Whether that's you as an individual or whether it's a team, and and so getting these values in place can really help you. Um, kind of build that sustainable growth, that sustainable trajectory, rather than just this kind of boom and bust cycle, which a lot of um, a lot of small businesses have, where they they go hard and then they reach some kind of capacity, whether it is through burnout or whether it's through they don't have enough people to look after the clients they've got or whatever it happens to be. It's like slow it down, be more gentle with your approach, still be tenacious and still be committed but you don't need to be hammering it and this idea of hustle and grind and all of this stuff which has become uh, i don't know they've it's almost used as a marketing thing for entrepreneurship isn't it it's like the grind is and the hustle and this kind of 18 hour day mentality is is sexed up and it's made to look aspirational and it's like what's aspirational about fucking yourself up you know like there's no there's no need for it there's no need for it and i think that i'd be interested to see the stats with regard to businesses, um, you know, closing down within their first year, their first five years, things like that. I'd be interested to see what those statistics look like for companies which do keep it more balanced during those years rather than going all out. I don't think those stats are out there necessarily, but I would be interested to see if there's a difference. I think it's really interesting. I think... um what I've experienced both from my corporate days and that was working in some big teams some big companies and in different cultures as well, different parts of the world, as well as having run my own businesses. And that I'm at that point where I'm, you know, I've got a team of people that I have working for me now. And I'm really conscious of not just the health and wellbeing side, but actually you want to get results when you're in your business. You know, let's not beat behind the bush. You want results. And actually what I found is that whether it's myself or the people that work for me and what I recognised from from previous experience is that you actually get a lot more from people. They're much more productive, they're much more efficient, they're much more effective if they are working at their optimal levels. And by that, I mean, it's not having the overwhelm, it's not having the burnout, it's about having those boundaries in place that enable people to work in the best way possible. And that is going to be different for everyone. You know, some people are morning people, some people are evening people. And I think, unfortunately, the way that the current corporate hours work, although this is changing slightly, I think, with with people working from home a lot more and, you know, the, the sort of recent pandemic that we've seen is that we can't work 24-7. Nobody can. And we can't, definitely can't do that on an ongoing basis. But what we can do as leaders of businesses is put, things in place that enable people to work in their best way. So whether that is looking at working hours, whether it is, you know, allowing them time to exercise or again, recognizing what they need, and that would be different for each person, what they need to work at their optimal levels. I think that's a really interesting shift in how we can get the most out of people. 
And as I said, we all want results. And actually, I think you can get better results and also faster results if you look at this balance between time, money and lifestyle, because there is an equilibrium. If we're always pushing people on time and we're expecting them to work quicker and faster, that's going to have an impact on money. Yes, of course. But actually, the longer impact on money is probably going to drop. But the lifestyle is going to shift. Whereas if you're all about lifestyle, you probably aren't going to get the financial results as quickly as you want to. So there has to be this balance across all three of those things to get the quality, the best quality out of those people and performing, at, as I said, performing at their optimal levels, I think is something that I'm really passionate about, not just with myself, but also the team. And I think there's a lot that can can be implemented in the workplace to enable people to do that. I think that with, um, when you, you were talking earlier about people going into business for themselves because they want to have a certain lifestyle and then they kind of lose sight of it and get caught up in the in the rat race that they were trying to leave but in a different way sometimes even worse and the i don't know whether it's irony or not but the even if even if you've got that initial starting point where you kind of go all right well lifestyle my well-being i was facing burnout in the corporate world and I wanted to get away from that and do my own thing and so you've kind of got this idea of what's important and what's valuable and it is um well-being and it is time and it is lifestyle and it is enjoyment of the limited number of days we have on this in this dimension um but then we lose sight of that when we start employing people because that's what most companies do uh, there's this commodification of of the people where they just where they just become a means to an end for the company they just go right well i need to employ someone to do this because i have my goals and you forget to almost project those goals onto those people that you're hiring and go well, this person probably has the same priorities. Because let's be honest, most people, if you ask them their top kind of five priorities, there's there's going to be a pattern. There's going to be a pattern through those. Their health yeah. is probably going to be in the top five. Their family is probably going to be in the top five. Their friends and other relationships are going to be in the top five. Their um, hobbies and interests might be in the top five. Their impact uh, on their community. There's all kinds of things, but usually their health and well-being will be in there, their family will be in there, and their friends and relationships will be in there. That's usually a, a pattern which you can see quite clearly. And and if if you forget that as an employer or as a leader within a company, when you forget that, it just becomes a numbers game and it just becomes a well, how can we squeeze the absolute most out of this person, this resource? This is why I don't like the term human resources because it implies this commodity. And it's like, it's better than personnel and stuff like that. I I do prefer it. Human resources is better. At least it's human. Um, But I like the way that there's more of a shift now to talking about people so you've got like, rather than an HR director, you might have a people director or a head of people and stuff like that, because it's like, yes, it's people. It's not a resource. Yeah. I know it is technically, but stop trying to squeeze as much out of this resource and then discard it and go, this is a person. This is an individual with probably the very similar priorities to what I have. And just because I'm in a leadership position doesn't mean that I have any more entitlement to these basic um 
kind of parts of life i don't yeah. i'm not more entitled to them than anyone else in the organization and so how can i facilitate that for these people because yes maybe you won't get as much growth short term as you would by squeezing them and 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 taking them for all they've got but long term you're going to do better if you're less exploitative i mean yeah it it seems obvious but i think that because business has been done in a certain way for so long um i think people get caught up in oh this is what everyone does this is what all companies do and that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do yeah no i totally agree and i think building on that you know everyone's different and i think when we spoke pre-recording this we spoke about the kind of work life balance and that actually is that a right term or is it just a life balance even is balance the right thing you know we all have to have money coming in because we've all got bills to pay. We want that freedom. We want that flexibility. That's going to be consistent across pretty much everyone, whether they have their own business or whether they're in the corporate space. But I think the the need for people to not necessarily have this kind of work-life balance, this divide, but actually if there's a way that, you know, the ideal is everyone says, don't they, you know, you kind of, the ideal is to have a job that you love doing that doesn't feel like, feel like work. And if we can add some of that in, whether that's corporate, whether that's running your own business, if we can all perform at our zone of genius, as well as at our optimal levels, we're all going to get so much more out of this. And actually, you know, the world becomes a healthier, happier place. And that becomes this positive cycle where businesses do better, people do better. We don't have so much of this impact on negative mental health or negative physical health, because that is part of the daily life that people are running as whether, you know, people are working, they've got their their lifestyle goals that are all included on this day or this week, however you want to kind of run, run that balance. Um, but I think we've kind of lost sight of that. I feel like that's starting to come back in and, you know, the conversations like this are so important because the more people hear about it, the more workplaces recognise that they can actually get a lot more out of the people that work for them by looking after them, treating them like people, giving them the things that they want, not that they want to necessarily, but enabling them to live life in the ways that they want to. That doesn't have to be done in a really strict, rigid way. Um, and as I said, I've seen this in completely different cultures. You know, the Asian culture is a very different culture to the UK. But what I saw consistently was people get a lot more out of things if they can work in a way that works for them. And part of that is having this health, is mentally and physically being able to do the things that energise you, that help you be more effective, more productive. You will get much more out of those people working for you if you enable that. I think that one of the things is that we need to stop seeing it as a trade-off of going, we can either look after our people or we can have economic growth, financial growth, and start seeing it as we either have both or we have none. And we, so intrinsic. It really yeah, it really is. is. Yeah, of course it is. And and yes, it may not be as I think that I think that's the thing is that people are humans are terrible at thinking long term. I mean, we 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 haven't evolved to really need to do that until society has ended up kind of where it is. Um, in the past, if you look, you know, ten thousand years ago, twenty thousand years ago, when physically and mentally we were exactly the same as we are now um, but the society and the environment that we lived in was very very different I mean I say society there wasn't really a society 20,000 years ago um, but the environment we found ourselves in what served us short term also served us long term because it was literally 
eat oh, you've got you've got the food in front of you eat it because it will help you survive um and it's you know it's it's things like even anxiety and um uh, that kind of fight or flight response was there to save our lives uh, and society has changed but we haven't the environment has changed but we haven't and so now we have to think long term because things which serve us short term don't serve us long term it's almost the exact opposite which serves us long term and that's very difficult once we understand that actually that's just a human wiring issue um, and and we stop beating ourselves up for going, why can't I do this thing which I know is going to sort me out long term and it's going to give me what I want long term? Why can't I do it when I know it's the right thing to do? It's because, yeah. you know, your primal brain is just not allowing you to. Um, but if we can start to understand that, not beat ourselves up, and, and, and then we can maybe make some better long-term decisions, even if it's not all the time, and we can see that actually in these positions of leadership, in these companies, and even obviously with ourselves, we can get more from the people. We can get more from ourselves by looking after ourselves, like you said. It just happens to be maybe you're looking at um, a year down the line rather than three months down the line, for example. But the thing is, if it was like you're going to get more growth in three months, but in a year's time, your business will be will have disappeared because everyone will have left. You know, like there's no comparison. There's no comparison, really. And this is and this is if you're taken out of the equation, just being a good person, because yeah. to me, the, the actual the individuals that you've got working for you and indeed you as an individual are worth more than any amount of money. And so if yeah. you go, well, actually, my health is worth more than any amount of money. My, my enjoyment of life, my quality of life is worth more than any amount of money. My, and of course, like we said, you need money for a certain quality of life. But um, it, it, like someone who's working for me, their value as a human being is worth more than what they're worth to this company financially. And then you go, well, even if you took out the financial benefit of looking after your people, it's still worth doing. It just happens to be yeah. yet another thing, which another box which it takes and goes, oh, well, yeah, further down the line, of, of course my company will be more successful if people are more loyal, if people are working harder, if people feel valued, if people know what place they have in the mission, if people have that kind of all of these things which they require as basic kind of psychological needs, then of course they're going to be thriving in a personal and yeah. professional sense. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that word more. Um, something that I do with my clients, especially when I first start working with them, is to, I ask them three questions. And it's what do you want to be more of? What do you want to do more of? And what do you want to feel more of? And you can do this. And I get them to do it from a business perspective as well as a personal perspective. And I think it's really interesting what comes up for that. And whether you're running a business or whether you're working in a, in a business... Those three questions are so important as a foundation for then how you operate within that business, what goals you put in place for that business, the strategic plans that you put in place. And I think what I love about them is that none of it's wrong. Like there is no judgment when you do those questions. It's then about taking those. And if you're doing this as a kind of collective, it's taking those and then, okay, agreeing what those collective values are and then building a plan based on that it's not about you know and actually going back to what you were saying with the you get a lot more out of people when you think about what they want more of and 
if you do that from a no judgment side of things, you actually can really, you get a lot of insight, but you can then build a plan that is going to be much more sustainable. It's much more focused on the together, the collective idea of what success looks like, um, because then everyone buys into it. And I think that's what, again, becomes really exciting is that if you've got everyone buying into those values, which we've already talked about, most people have very similar values, those results are going to come through much quicker because everyone's bought into it rather than that directive downwards of this is how you're going to do it. This is this is the type of thing you're going to do um, because you get resistance. And I've seen that time and time again from working in corporate or with corporate that this resistance to people because they're either treated like a number or they don't feel like their values are included in what is everyone else's. But actually the irony behind that is that most people have the same values and they do come from top down. Um, but they're not necessarily communicated in a way that involves and includes everybody. Um, so yeah, if you are listening to this and thinking about how, if you're struggling with that kind of, you know, buy-in of people and getting the most out of people, that productivity, the results, try those three questions, the be more, do more, feel more, because it's so interesting what comes up and you will find that actually there will be a lot of crossovers and that realization that everyone is in it for very, very similar reasons. There's a, we, we have a lot more in common than we have um, that divides us. And I think that we forget that, especially these days when we're living in such a polarised society on every single front, whether it is, you know, left versus right and vaccine versus anti-vax or this, that and the other. It's like it, everything is one or the other. Everything is black or white. And there's there's very little room for nuance and subtlety or the, the Okay, there is plenty of room for nuance and subtlety, but we've just lost the ability to use it. I think, yeah. um, and and we do have we do have differences in opinions, and we do have differences in experience um, based on all kinds of factors. And so it's important to be aware of these differences and it's important not to ignore them. It's a bit like that kind of, you know, when you pe- when you hear people going, oh, well, I don't see race, you know, I'm not racist because I don't, I don't see the difference. I don't see race. I don't see skin colour. And it's like that in a way is denying the differences in experience and it's not very inclusive. It's saying, well, you know, your experiences are no different to me just because you're a different race. Well, in actual fact, in the society we live in, it probably is quite different and we need to acknowledge yeah. that. So we do need to acknowledge these differences. But at the same time, remember that there is more which uh, which we have in common as human beings um, yeah. that 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 we can that we can hold on to. And again, it's that balance. It's not one or the other. It's not we're all the same or we're all different. It's we're all the same and we're all different. Yeah. And I think that you know what you said about this getting this buy in from your team and getting this buy in in terms of the way that they're going to embody the values that you're setting out as a leader is it's this uh it's this sense of ownership isn't it if people feel like they've got ownership of something then they're more likely to do those things if someone sets their own goals they're more likely to do those things to 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 work towards those goals than if they've had those goals forced upon them and so even if i'm the worst for this as well by the way i am absolutely terrible if someone tells me to do something i'll do the opposite and, it's natural human nature oh, we yeah, but it's so when we're told to do something. Bloody annoying, isn't it? <laughs> um, because I do it. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, but I know that it'd be good for me. And I, and then, but I'm going, no, if I'd thought of it, and in fact, it's even happened where I've thought of something and I've gone, oh, I'm going to do that. And then someone external, whether it's, you know, 
one of my parents when I was younger or whether it was my wife or whether it's a friend goes, oh, you know what? You should do X. And it's already an idea I've had and it's already something I decided to do, but I hadn't mentioned it. Now, if someone else then says it to me, I will no longer do it because it feels like it's no longer my idea. If I do it, I'm somehow following someone else's instruction and I can't stand that thought. And yet I know it's irrational, but I'm a human being. Um, but like you said, it is part of being human. And so if if you, if you impose something on someone else, if you say, this is how you're going to do it, then you you do get that pushback. You do get that... Um, mm. that, that um, lack of buy-in whereas if you say it's like you said you know the irony is that the values are going to be pretty much the same if you said to someone else you know what would you like to see if you said to one of your team what would you how would you like this business to be run how would you like this 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 company to become a community what would you find most valuable how would you like to work what do you think your strengths are that you'd like to bring to this you're probably going to get 80% of the same answers that you would have given yeah. And the other 20% that you get, which you wouldn't have said, some of those are going to be insights that you hadn't even thought of. And you're giving yeah. them this freedom to become a bit more in- innovative and um, uh, kind of creative. And you're going to get ideas. And yeah, there'll be stuff in there which you go, oh, I don't really want to do that. But hey, this is a this is a general consensus of the, of, of the people. And you can use some of that kind of in a democratic way and 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 it can be less of a dictatorship can't it yeah i think for me that's a really strong sign of a leader though is someone who is open minded that is happy to be challenged to a certain degree but none of us are the finished article none of us ever will be the finished article and if someone's coming in with this idea or there's a lot of people that are coming in with a similar idea you have to listen to that because there is a reason why that's coming up um and i think yeah, again, going kind of back to my experience in corporate where it was very top down, there were so many amazing ideas that would come out at the sort of, you know, lower, middle, upper level, upper sort of levels that would just be blocked because of this kind of concrete ceiling that I used to call it. Um, because you didn't get access to those people, those leaders, you look to leaders for me, I looked to them as being kind of inspirational, aspirational. If you're trying to grow, you know, move up that corporate hierarchy, those are the people that you want to aspire to be or those levels that you want to be aspiring to be. And if you don't feel that then, and you feel like there's a ceiling, you lose that motivation because you think, well, my ideas are never going to be listened to. What's the point of me even trying? Or I can only share my ideas if I'm at a certain level. I think there has to be this. And I know it's easier said than done, especially from a, a bigger company, but there's definitely ways that you can do it of having, whether it's workshops or team things that are then fed back upwards. But I think also, you know, one of my sort of favorite CEOs would walk the floors of every single one and he'd stop and he'd, you know, have different people that would be able to kind of knock on his door and things. And of course, there were certain times that that would be possible. Um, but I think it's just, it's having that open mind and going, you know what, my ideas aren't aren't always the best ideas. They will be based on my experience and based on my knowledge, but we don't know what we don't know. And I think that is a really, again, a really kind of good quality of a leader that they recognize that that they're not going to know everything either. Um, everything that we know is based on our experiences and what people have told us and the knowledge that we have, our learnings. But there's always stuff that we don't know. There always will be stuff that we don't know. And I think it's um, if we can embrace some of that and embrace some of the people that have that are around us, 
then we feel, we, you know, it becomes richer. That, again, going back to the results, that's when we can get results quicker because there might be a complete left field yeah. that actually could work. We could take a risk. And, you know, none of us know what's around the corner. None of us know how long we've got left in this place. But I think, again, going back to what's happened over the last 18 months, those businesses that were proactive about change, that were open-minded to change, have been way more successful than those that have kind of gone, oh, we're just going to sit back and wait and, uh, you know, wait for the world to get back to normal. Um, but what is normal? Like we've all changed as people, the world has changed. As a business owner, we have to shift. We have to evolve as people. We've had to shift and evolve the ways that we've been doing things. And if you're proactive with that, if you're open-minded about that, having that kind of growth mindset rather than closed mindset, I think becomes really exciting as a, as a leader, as a business owner. It's fascinating to me that we we lose that sometimes because I think that when you're if you're in business by yourself, for example, let's say you're at the start of a journey or maybe you're further down the line but you are keeping it small and you are you decide I want to be a one person band. I don't want to be um you know, it, it allows me to be more agile in a lot of ways and I can change direction much more easily because I don't have to confer with anyone. I don't have to pass instruction on to anyone. I just decide if I'm going to do this, if I want to do this, I'm going to do this. But that's tempered with the fact that then you don't have alternative ideas around you from from other people. And that's why when you're, when you're on your own, it can be really uh, vital to be part of masterminds and other communities and things like that so that you've got these trusted advisors around you to give you um feedback on your ideas or to say oh well you know what you said was interesting but have you thought about doing it this way and this yeah. is why mentors and stuff like that are so are so vital if you've got a team you've got those trusted advisors those trusted adv- advisors are the frontline people working with your clients and your customers they know better than anyone what's working and what isn't because they're the ones doing it on a daily basis. And, and so you can learn so much from that. But I think that there becomes the, the, the odds. Maybe not the odds, actually. The odds isn't the right word. I guess the, just the risk is higher when you've got a bigger company. Because if you change direction and it's the wrong place, the, the, <laughs> you know, you crash a juggernaut, it's going to be worse than crashing a smart car, right? So, yeah. So people get scared and, I get it, you know. Yeah, change is scary. It is scary. And like, I mean, yeah. we are, again, going back to this kind of um, evolution and how our brains are wired, we've been, we've been wired for survival. And change and uncertainty is a key factor which can lead to our downfall as, a, as an individual, you know, out hunting and gathering and all the rest of it. Something that we're not sure about, probably best we avoid it. And that allowed yeah. us to survive. And so it's completely normal, it's completely natural, but it doesn't serve us now, especially because we're not talking about survival. We're quite simply talking about, you know, maybe losing a few quid, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's like, yeah. yeah, maybe I'm being glib and maybe there are bigger problems and if a business goes bust and people end up out of work and stuff like that. But But you're not talking life or death in the same way as... 20,000 years ago on the plains of Africa. Mm. So we're in a relatively safe position, especially, you know, we've got, we've got good um, safety nets around us. And so taking these risks is something that we can, we can do making these changes and, and they don't even need to be drastic changes. 
But yeah. I think that that fear of going, oh my God, all these people have got 300, 400, 500, 1,000 people who are relying on me to be the leader here. Or, yeah. you know, I've got five people who are relying on me to be the leader here. If I make the wrong move, I've let them down. Yeah. But not changing could be the wrong move. Not changing could be yeah. letting them down. I think that's it. You know, everyone, we all have a decision to make and doing nothing is still a decision. Of course it um, is, yeah. I think we talked a little bit about talking there. I think there's also a huge benefit in listening. And I think active listening is something that a lot of people don't do. And you can learn a lot, not just by the team that you're kind of surrounding you, your sounding board, your mentors, etc. But actually from the people that you're here to serve, your clients, your customers, the people are buying your products and services, listening to them, you know, what doing, whether it's doing research, whether it's doing focus groups, actually taking the time to listen to them. That's when the best results are going to come because you're putting products and services out there that actually help the people that you are there to help. Um, and for me, those people, again, from my experience are the ones that I've seen that have done really well over the last kind of 18 months and, and outside of everything that's happened. It always comes down to that research and the active listening and the taking action based on the knowledge that you have around you and in front of you. We can only make decisions based on the knowledge, the information that we have, our experiences that we have, whether that's about supporting our teams, whether that's about the products and services we're putting out there. But just because you've done something in a certain way doesn't mean you have to keep doing it in that way. And that's where that fear of change, I think, always comes into it is the, I have a big thing about settling and staying still. That puts the fear of God into me that, you know, staying still is just not something that fits with me. I'm always looking to, whether it's improve myself or improve processes because I know that we can always be more effective. We can always be more efficient. And I know that that's different for different people and that's absolutely fine. But I think if we're here and we're either running a business or we're in business and, in, you know, looking to help people in the ways that 99% of businesses do, then we have to listen to that end user. They are our biggest insight and they will actually help you with all of the things that you're trying to do with, with the results that you're trying to get within your business. Um, and that's looking at all of those different areas, whether it's the products, whether it's the places that they are, whether it's the pricing, all of those kind of different facets of the traditional marketing mix all play into let's listen to the people that are actually using those products and services. And listening doesn't necessarily have to be the obvious ask, listen to the answer, because no. a lot of people don't know what they want. A lot of people no. don't know because because we're so kind of tuned into other things. Again, that's no... Um, dig at anyone and no dig at any particular you know consumer groups or anything like that Not but I don't know what I want most of the time until I see it and it's that whole Henry Ford thing isn't it when they when Ford developed the Model T and um, Henry Ford is quoted as having said don't know how true it is um, but he's quoted as having said if I'd asked people what they wanted they would have said a faster horse Yes. And so not everyone knows what they want, but you can listen in other ways. You can listen in ways where you go, okay, how are people responding to the content I'm putting out? How are people um, spending their money? Are they spending their money with us? Are they spending their money with competitors? Why are they spending their money with competitors? What are those guys doing that we're not? And all of this stuff. So listening doesn't necessarily have to be the obvious sense, but I think it's so, it's a mixture of different things, but it is, it's this awareness of what's going on around you. You're not an isolated 
person. You're not an isolated company. There's all kinds of moving parts. And if you're aware of what's going on and you're listening and observing, um, then, uh, and yeah, to your consumer groups, to your organization, to your departments, to your mentors, to everyone. And you're just kind of uh, just aware of this rather than blinkers on, this is what I'm going to do and no one can stop me. Um, then yeah, you can see these trends arising and you can be agile enough to adapt to those changes because I mean how many times have we seen historically successful companies disappear over the past not even just the pandemic but over the past five years you know you've got things like Debenhams disappearing which is like no one would have thought that because they've been around what over 100 years 150 years something something mad I can't remember how many but it's just like oh they didn't adapt um, HMV was another one, you know. Blockbuster was another one. Blockbuster were ruined by uh, by things like Netflix, and they could see that the technology was there, and they could see that things were moving in that direction. But they were going, "No, this is what we do. We have brick and mortar shops where you go and rent physical DVDs or physical VHS tapes if you go back yeah, far back enough." Back in the day, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and 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 they didn't change, and they paid the price. Because they had their blinkers on, they didn't look at what the consumers were doing. They didn't listen, like you said. Um, so I think listening is vital in terms of in, in terms of having that success, uh, and not just listening in terms of where the the money's being spent, but also listening in terms of what your people, what really matters to them. When it comes to making changes, I think one of the biggest things which can which you're judged on as a leader is not the outcome necessarily but the intention now this isn't always true but i think that if you make a decision with the right intent and it doesn't go the way you hoped you are more likely to be forgiven by the market and by the individuals if you had a good intention behind it if you were like i did this because i thought it would be better for the people that i'm that i have a duty of care to yeah then no matter what happens, you'll at least get some respect for that. If you change things because you think it will generate a bit more money or you keep things the same because you think it will generate a bit more money, then it doesn't matter whether it goes well or not. You'll be judged on the intention. So so, yeah. so intent, I think, is something that's really vital to kind of to hold on to and go, why am I doing this? Why am I making this change? Why do I want to steer the company in this direction? Um Again, it doesn't matter whether this is an individual, a team of five, or a team of 500, or a team of 5,000. It's still the same principle. Yeah, I, no, I completely agree. I think there's um, there's almost this fear of failure, isn't there? And actually, course, yeah. we learn a lot by failing. Failing forwards is kind of a, a bit of a buzz term that goes around. Um, there's things, you know, I've got two little children and... I almost encourage them to make mistakes because if they get it right every single time, they get used to that. And actually they don't then spend the time kind of going back through things and going, okay, I'm going to learn a little bit deeper about something um, to then solidify that knowledge. And I think we're so, I suppose in some ways, the, the technology that we have, the social media world that we now live in, we have this instant gratification. There's this sort of, you know, we put content out on social media and we keep checking how many likes we've got, how many comments there are, who's liking it. But if we go back to the intention as to why we put that out, it's probably those people who haven't commented or haven't liked that you've just sown that little seed that 
those are the people that you're wanting to make an impact on. Um, so almost kind of taking that ego out of it and looking at actually what what is that intention as you were saying? That's the key part. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we putting these products and services out? How's it going to help people? What solution is it going to help them with? Um, and what problem is it going to help solve? That is That for me is that intention. And if you're doing it with that in mind with that central core purpose, then actually I think you will get the better results rather than it just being a quick, short win. And and I get it, you know, running a business, there are always, there's always a need sometimes to have a quick cash injection or a quick, quick win financially. Of course there is. But I think that that longer term game versus that short term game, you have to have a balance between the two. Um, and as you say, if their intention is right, if you're putting your staff, your consumers the end users at the heart of what you're doing, people get why you're doing what you're doing and they will believe that and buy into that a lot more, trust you a lot more, have that more deeper, solid relationship with you a lot more. Um, you know, trust is that massive factor that every brand business owner wants to build. You know, that's the reason why there are trust scores and research that goes purely into trusting because that's where you get that longer term relationship. It's where you get you know, the referrals, it's when people start doing marketing for you, that the trust is really important. And that all comes back to the intention of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I totally agree that it's a, it's a massive part of decision making as well. The trusting is, is an interesting one, because if you look at this from a kind of global perspective at the moment, more and more companies are saying that they're very, you know, people centric and the the well-being, environmental sustainability, all of this stuff is all kind of buzzwords um, in a lot of ways, and they kind of it almost becomes cliched to a degree. But things become cliched because they're true a lot of the time. Um, but these the, most companies are aware now that um people in the market are being quite discerning with where they're spending their money and they're going well i want to buy from a company that are committed to reducing their carbon footprint i want to buy from companies that are not using plastic uh, single-use plastic packaging i want to buy from companies that look after their staff and they look after their suppliers let's say their suppliers are um somewhere in south america or africa or south asia and you kind of like it's it's like a kind of, I mean, fair trade, the fair trade badge thing has been around for years. And mm. if you see how that has developed and people are like, do you use palm oil in your product? Where's your palm oil from? You know, people are aware. They're more aware now than ever before. And because of the, the way the internet works now compared to how it worked 20 years ago, it's like the 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 communication there, the, there's so much more transparency that companies have to kind of get ahead of that and go we can't pretend that we are this way because it, it's quite evident but yet there are still quite a lot of companies who say we're x and y but they but but their actions belie that i think belie fits in that sentence i don't know I'm- yeah definitely <laughs> I just I realised I said it and I'm like, I don't really know. I don't I've never used yeah, that word in a sentence before. Okay, it cool. Fits. Let's pretend let's pretend it works. It's, but it yeah, does, doesn't it? And these these companies are going are going, yeah, we do this and everyone else is going, No, you don't. What are you on about? Stop trying to pull the yeah. wool over our eyes. And and it's just what it, it's so much easier just to go like the just live those values, embody those values. If you say you give a shit about people, actually give a shit about people. 
It's not that yeah. hard. It's part of our human nature to care about others. Just use that. Get back in touch with that actual that selflessness because it doesn't mean that you're um, giving away stuff that you need and you want. It's everyone wins. You know, we are a global community, and when if we start acting like one, then then everyone wins. Yeah. Definitely. And it, it all goes back to that kind of, you know, be more, do more, feel more side of things of just, this is what we're trying to do as people. This is what we're trying to do as businesses. This is the impact that we're trying to have. And therefore, these are the values that we're going to live, the products and services that we're going to put out there. And sometimes there can be hard decisions in that. And I totally get that, especially if you are kind of looking at the short term versus long term side of things. But the balance that we have to have, the integrity that comes with those decisions if you have that right intention there, people get it. They, they, you know, we're a well-educated society on so many different levels. The internet has helped people research to such a, you know, massive degree. Um, that you, I think you have to, you have to kind of live those values. You know, I talk a lot about kind of healthy body, healthy mind. If I was not doing anything and not doing my exercise, not taking time out for me that's not me living my values. And that then comes across, you know, to my audience. And that just becomes disingenuous that people are like, well, you're telling us to do this, but actually you're not doing it at all yourself. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's one of those where if you, it's not good enough to be like, do, do as I say, not as I do. It's the same as parenting, isn't it? If you, you can say something until you're blue in the face, but if it's the opposite of what you're doing, your kids are going to mimic what you do not follow what you say and it's the same in any position of authority the people who are listening to you are also watching you yeah and it dovetails back to uh to kind of boundaries that we were talking about earlier like we can have boundaries in place but if you have those boundaries in place you know and you give yourself permission when to flex them and there will always be times that we have to flex them um but recognising when you're getting close to that boundary means you can make decisions. Whereas if you don't have any boundaries in place and you're just happy to let other people kind of control that balance for you, then something's going to give. And generally that is our health um, because it's not until we get to that real tipping point, that real hard-faced decision that something has given that we it sort of forces us to make a decision on changing things. And most of us know, We most of us have those little niggling thoughts around, oh, you know, I prefer to be in a job that does this, or I prefer to work with people that does that, or, um, you know, I've got this health niggle, but I'll wait. It doesn't feel serious enough to go to the doctors quite yet. So you just, you just wait, you leave it. Um, and it's not until something serious happens that then we go, ah, oh, should have listened to those little mm. niggles, you know, back when I first started thinking to them. Um but it's really hard to do that if we haven't got boundaries in place. And that would be the absolute first step that I'd kind of suggest for people to do is to kind of look at that. Because I, I know it's easier said than done when you're so busy and you're, you know, running at 100 million miles an hour. If you have got a high pressured, high stressful job, you're looking after your families, all that kind of thing. Um, but boundaries are a really key thing. And I think businesses can enable the workforce to have their own boundaries or to enable those boundaries to be flexed whether it is working from home some days a week whether it's not all having to be in the office at a certain time to start the day or finish the day you know recognizing that people are different and of course there will be periods of time where that has to happen but 
as a general rule, is there a way that as society, we can work in a way that works for all of us? And that's what I'm really passionate about. And I think it's, you know, going back to right what we first started about, actually, how do you get the most out of people? How do you get the most results from your business? It comes back to being productive, being effective, being efficient, and that equilibrium between time and money and lifestyle. And that has to be across everything that we're doing. You know what? Like you've you've just answered the two questions which I was about to ask you. Um, so which which was lovely because I was going to ask you like where would you say the best uh, the best place to start for someone who wants to improve the well being of their organisation and someone who wants to improve the well being of themselves and you you answered both of those questions in one by saying boundaries. It's about boundaries, whether it's boundaries yeah. for yourself. And this is something that we talked about, obviously, before we started recording with my own boundaries, you know, like I've just rearranged a second call that I had today because I'm feeling quite anxious and quite overwhelmed. And I was just like, my, my head was spinning a bit this morning. And I, again, needed to embody what I teach and go, you know what? I don't, I'm not beholden to anyone or anything. I need to just go take a step back and go, is there something I can move? that that will be just as effective next Monday as it would be today. And um, it's a Monday that we're recording this, just in case anyone's listening to this on like a Thursday or something. But um, it, like, what what's, what is best for me right now is probably what's going to be best for other people long term. It's, it's enlightened self-interest rather than selfishness. And so having those boundaries and going, you know what? No, no, <laughs> it's okay yeah. to say no. Because by you can't say yes to everything. And, and by saying no to things which which you can say no to, you, you're able to say yes to other things. And that's what boundaries allow. And it's fascinating what you said about facilitating boundaries um, within an organization, whether those are um, different from person to person or whether they're kind of organization-wise, com- uh, co- sorry, organization-wide, company-wide. Um, it is allowing your people to go yeah, these are my boundaries. Because especially now with the pandemic and more people working from home and stuff like that, it's all blurring. The lines are blurring. And so being able to get those boundaries back in place so that you can look after the, the, those those um, things which are most important, it allows everything to kind of work in harmony rather than everything kind of grating against each other and fighting for space, right? Yeah. And I think I totally agree. And I think one of the reasons that I left the corporate world and never returned was because it wasn't set up for me being able to be a mum. And I know that's what a lot of women do struggle with is that how do you have that balance of being able to have a family, being able to be successful and not apologising for being either of those things. And I feel like, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of workplaces that lose a huge, amazing talent pool of women, especially because they want to do something as well as. It's not about instead of, it's about as well as. And I think if we can find a way that creates that, I'm going to use that word balance again, but that enables people to be more, do more, feel more. And that comes across whether you choose to have a family, whether you choose to have a career, whether you choose to have your own business, you can do all of those things without judgment, if you have the right boundaries in place, if you are allowing yourself, if other people allow you to have those. And I think, you know, that was, that was one of the big reasons that I didn't go back into the corporate space is that I couldn't, 
especially as I was living abroad, I didn't have family and friends network around me. And I know a lot of people don't. I couldn't go back to the corporate world and perform the hours that I was expected to. I could perform the job in the way that I could do, but I couldn't do the set hours around my child. Didn't mean that I was any worse at my job, but the way those hours were set out meant that I wasn't able to perform in the way that I was expected to by being in the office at certain hours. And I think what the pandemic has really allowed and explored is that people can work from home pretty well. They can be pretty resourceful in how they work if we're allowed to. It doesn't mean working from six o'clock in the morning until midnight. It means having being present for the right things at the right time. And again, going back to you'll be much more effective, you'll be much more efficient if you're allowed to do that. Um, and, you know, my husband, he's in the corporate space and I've seen how that has impacted him, how it's impacted us as a family. And I don't know, had both of us had very similar corporate jobs of it be the expectation of running those set hours that we'd have been able to do the homeschooling, we'd have been able to do the other things that we had to do as parents um, if we didn't have those boundaries or if I didn't have the flexibility that I've chosen to do with my business. Um, it's, it is, it's a really hard balance. As I said, there is no easy answer to this, but I think we can definitely make steps in place that allow people to get the most out of the things that are important to them. And that is work. You know, people love doing the jobs that they do, but if we can enhance that and get them to enjoy it even more, you're going to get the most out of them. On the flip side, if they're allowed to live a life in the ways that they want to and be that do exercise first thing in the morning, be that do exercise at lunchtime, whatever it is that works for people in the way that also works for a business, that's when you're going to get the, the sort of positive reinforcement, the positive cycle and upcycle that, you know, talking about it makes complete sense. But the reality is I know it's hard to put it in place. But I think, again, going back to having these conversations, people listening to this, hopefully it just drops in a few seeds of, actually, what are my boundaries? You know, I now don't see clients before 10.30 most mornings, unless I'm speaking to someone in Australia or Asia, but I have that boundary and it enables me to flex it depending on when I need to. Because I know that I'm much better off, both from a nice, pleasant person to be around if I've done some exercise first thing in the morning. I'm also much more productive and much more efficient if I've done my exercise in the morning. And again, that'll be different for everyone. Some people are much better at doing it in the evening. But I know what works for me. And I think giving yourself permission to explore what works for you, setting those boundaries in place if you can do, that's when you're going to get the most out of everything that you're doing, whether that's working, whether that's spending time with family, choosing how you spend your time. That's ultimately what we want to do, isn't it? We want that flexibility. We want that freedom. And again, going back to those values that we talked about, most people want flexibility, they want freedom to choose how and when they spend their time, their money, and having a regular income that allows people to do that. That is a general kind of sweeping statement, perhaps, but actually seems to be the general values that people place on so many different things. And I think the the final the final thing to kind of uh, to finish on to draw out from that, uh, what you were just saying was, is that yes, it is easier said than done. Yes, it's very it's it's very obvious when we talk about it, and anyone listening to this, you'd be like, I'll challenge you to find <laughs> to find kind of something which doesn't work within this from a ideological perspective, because I think everyone can agree on a lot of the points we've raised. Um, but in terms of the practicality of it, 
just do something. Just even a tiny step in that direction is better than nothing. It's not, you don't need to overhaul your lifestyle and your boundaries overnight. You don't need to overhaul the company culture overnight, but just start thinking about it. Just do one thing this week, perhaps, that will just move things in that direction because one little step is a positive move. Sarah, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, I hope you have too. Yeah, it's been great to chat. I think we could have carried on, couldn't we? There's so much, so many different levels to this that, yeah, it's been great to kind of kickstart that conversation at least. I'm sure we'll have plenty more conversations. Sarah, have an absolutely fantastic day and I'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Fit to Lead with me, Jay Unwin. If you're not already connected with me on LinkedIn, come and find me using the link in the podcast description and say hello. If you want me to help you improve the fitness and well-being of your team and of yourself, let's set up a call. Until next time, stay fit, stay well, and keep leading from the front.